Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask does not Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak about sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson. Um, book link it, it like in the show notes and whatnot. Uh, and you also may know me as Call Me Up. Well, Sebastian's Adams. Um, well, I almost said that. Um, <laughs> that Twitter handle, y'all don't follow me there. Um, uh, ways, um, but yeah, it is a beautiful day because I am blessed with the presence of Tyrell. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad to hear. So y'all, Tyrell just got done with his exams. So we're going to be putting out that good luck energy out there for him. Yeah, um, you thank know, you. I need educated. it. The man's educated, y'all. <laughs> I need it. I, I trust me, I need it. So yeah, I'm just so glad to be here. Just, you know, chill out, have good vibes, have great conversation. So perfect. Well, today we will be on that topic of no fats, no films, no old people. Discriminatory language that it is. So um, one of the things that we were uh, going to talk about today, actually, I don't want to talk, go into the uh, original topics first. We we have to talk about um, this YouTube video, uh, which is going to be in the show notes because y'all motherfuckers need to see this shit and it is phenomenal. Uh, I'm so glad that you showed that to me because Fam, I don't, I don't want to misgender them or however they re, uh, represent themselves, but fam gave me all of the fucking life in that poem. Yes. How did you find it? Well, I originally, um, it, it was actually something that was shared in a group uh, forum um, that I attended uh, for a, uh, it was like, not necessarily a coaching, but uh, it was a, um, forum discussing the nature of interracial relationships. Um, you know, the kind of uh, stereotypes and stigmas that are involved. And so to kind of talk about the nature of stigmas, that video was shared. And I think that for the nature of the video, because it hits on so many, you know, kind of stereotypes and stigma kind of topics, I was like, oh man, I got to share this, you know, with like other groups and, you know, kind of bring it to this platform as well, because I believe that the spoken word event that the video is for if and I may be completely wrong about this. I think it was like circa 2016. So it's been out for, you know, maybe like a few, you know, a good few years, but that was the first time, you know, I, you know, had come across or had seen it. And yeah, the video is just an entire read and it will give you so much life. <laughs> Hey man, I, I would say one thing that Fro was motherfucking froing. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, Fro. 
but the words, the language, the the poetry of it all was just like, it was a lot of truth in that. Um, like to think about the discrimination that you see so often within yeah. uh, queer spaces is ridiculous. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, most definitely when it comes to like, if you um, place the intersectional identities um, yeah. where white queer spaces are not the same as um, yeah. queer spaces of people of color, because it's like, we're still mm-hmm. being oppressed in our own, you know, supposed safe space. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know how many times I've seen no blacks on a profile. And when I will put no white people on my profile, because um, uh, uh, me just wanting to space myself out from that, mm-hmm. uh, are just being fetishized. Um, right. I will get responses from multiple white men or uh, white people in my uh, inbox saying, how dare you say this, that, and the third. And I'm like, but are you communicating with these uh, your peers uh, of right. your same racial background who has no blacks in their profile, no fats in their profiles, no films in their mm-hmm. profiles, but you're here talking to me as though I need to erase or take away this no whites because you just got offended. Mm, absolutely. And yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's very tricky because there is, like you say, there's a difference between how, um, you know, people of color, queer spaces work and versus those white spaces for queer people. And for, and I think for all of us, it becomes like this dichotomy, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, the social rules and social acceptance about the fact like, oh, how dare you say this? But then it's kind of like, well, how dare you do this? Mm-hmm. so it's like I don't have the right to speak but yet you have the right to do mm. so you know that whole kind of tug of war and yeah it's just and that's why like even for like myself and my outlook why I, I feel like even if you don't you know necessarily um like you know like romantically want to you know date someone white or date someone black or whatever like you can just ignore the ignore the person or ignore the profile like you don't necessarily have to um, you know, public, you know, like publicize it. Like if there's mm. somebody who comes across a profile that I see or I don't like, and it's like in my back of my mind, I would be like, oh, hell no. But, <laughs> you know, but it's like, I don't need to put like that out there in the world. The world already has enough stigma and stereotypes and hatred. So mm-hmm. it's not even to say like, oh my God, I don't, you know, engage in biases and, you know, things like that. Cause that's hypocritical. Of course I do. But I'm not necessarily going to put that outwardly and promote and, you know, promote that. And you never know, there may come across a profile that, yeah, maybe usually I would not give second attention to, but hey, this circumstance may be a little bit different. So, Mm. you know, and it's just, you never know. You just, you never know. I agree. Like, I I don't know how many times, like, because like if someone were to message me, I I, I like, i I see the humanity in people. So if you message yeah. me, I don't mind having a conversation with you. If you do get to that point where you're looking to get into something sexual and I uh, can see that as a clear direction that you're leaning towards and I'm not interested in you, I don't mind letting you know, I'm sorry, I'm not sexually yeah. interested, but we can have continue this conversation because it's actually good right. combo. Uh, and yeah. I'm here for that. Uh, I actually yeah. had to tell some um, tell that to somebody uh, recently um and they understood they were fine with that and we um uh, kind of went our separate ways or whatever but it was it was nothing 
rude or nothing but ill no ill will between either of us at that moment but mm. then again you have those who have issues with rejection too who might mm. even lash out or whatever but I, I just don't get why some people uh, either won't just vocalize I'm not interested or um, they won't just I'm a fan of if you're not interested interested in me and um, you don't want to communicate anything like that, just block me. I don't I don't take yeah, that to well, heart. Exactly. Like you're opening more room for me on this yeah. app that I refuse to pay money for. <laughs> and then also, you know, as we talk about intentionality, because something that was uh, kind of like I don't know, like not necessarily ah, but surprising to me was when I attended this um, this forum about the nature of interracial relationships. They had this questionnaire, and it was asking you, you know, all these questions about, you know, would you be, you know, sexually intimate with someone that's white? Um, would you, you know, date someone, you know, that's white? All these, you know, questions. And you know, for me, my personal questionnaire, I was putting no, 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 and I was putting no throughout all the questionnaire. But then it got to the question of, would you flirt? with some with someone of a different uh you know ethnicity being white and i actually had to put actually yes to that because i've actually done that in maybe a couple spaces and so when you think about the nature of intention it's like yeah how i view flirting is just it's just that it's just for fun you know it's not anything taken too seriously it's not to say that oh my god like that's going to lead to a date or you know to something serious or anything like that i flirt with uh, I flirt with certain friends, you know, mm -hmm. like for that's just it. Like it's just it's not that big of a thing. So to me, like in that instance, I don't see flirting in color. I don't equate those, you know, I don't equate those two things together. Like I could almost, you know, you know, it's like not necessarily flirting with anybody, but that's just like the last thing that comes to my mind when I think about flirting. Mm -hmm. Dating and being a part of a relationship and things like that, yes. But flirting, no. So I think, you know, when we talk about intention, how does certain terms and things like that, that we define ourselves, how does that manifest and show up, you know, so. No, I, I'm with you there, because I think about like, uh, even with myself in terms of those different categories, those different um, sections of how a person may express themselves, be it flirting, mm -hmm. sexual or dating. Um, mm -hmm. of, of course, uh, I've mentioned this multiple times, I'm not great at flirting. So I'm just going to say no to all that, because I don't understand mm -hmm. that lingo. I guess I do it. It is what it is. <laughs> but in terms of uh, sexual encounters, I, I, I'm open to having sexual encounters with someone of a different race. Um, I'm still on the fence about um, someone who might be white, but it depends on mm. uh, physical and sexual attraction as well as uh, do they see me as human or not? And uh, we yeah. have to unpack that to understand where we both are before I can actually mm -hmm. engage. Because if right. uh, I, I just cannot freely go into that space uh, without knowing that. But when it comes to dating and potentially marrying somebody, um, mm -hmm. most definitely with being an, an, an intentional person, I need to know who the fuck your family is because mm -hmm. um, am I getting into a situation like okay, I'm okay with a racist grandma, grandfather, or whatever the case is because they, they're they're here for uh, just a little while longer and mm -hmm. they were raised in this. That's their hatred. But if your mom or dad, your uncles, the people who are gonna be here for the next 30, 50 years is racist as fuck. I cannot, mm. I cannot do that. <laughs> yeah. And then I also think it's too like, and I am so glad, you know, we're having this conversation about, you know, the no fats, no fems and things like that, because 
a lot of times, even within our own community, as we deal with colorism and, you know, all of those other aspects that plague our communities of black and brown people, you have to check your privilege at the door. Like, you know, as a black or brown person, that doesn't mean that you are oppressed in all circumstances. Mm. And you need to be aware of situations where you come in, where you have a, you have a bit more of a privilege or a systematic advantage or a systematic advantage in certain places. And even, and for instance, that even goes into uh, physical and body aspects as well. Mm. You know, if you are someone that is, and really, I don't see this a whole lot of times, but just to give an example, you know, if you are someone who is, you know, rock hard, you know, you got the abs and the chest and, you know, all of that, you do not need to succumb your ideas about body image to the next person. You stay in your lane and look however it is that you feel the need to look. But then when that comes to play about the fact that you believe that because of the way that you look, the way that you do, that it privileges you over another person. And sadly, the nature of how we engage with social media and especially like being uh, as far as sex work and porn and things like that. Mm. So a lot of times that is the message that is given out that, you know, you being of this color tone, uh, you know, this height, this body type, you are going to have, you know, those million fans or those million followers. Mm. And so innately that privileges you. Now, it's not even to say like you need to be uh, ashamed or you need to downplay yourself, but just recognize the spaces that you enter where, yeah, you are privileged. Mm, pretty, pretty, pretty privileged. There we go. It, yeah, it pretty really is a thing. It really yeah, is a thing. It, 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 uh, it's, uh, I think th- uh, well, I know there has been research into it, how just your physical appearance, uh, if you're more attractive, you're more likely to get hired from a job for a job mm-hmm. than someone who is deemed not the the most beautiful, uh, which is ridiculous because this pretty person might not even have the real qualifications. Exactly. It's actually a very big debate in the academic world as well. I was actually in a class recently that, um, not this semester, but past semester, and we were talking about the fact the controversy of putting a picture with your resume or your CV or on your like uh, academic website and things like that because uh, we were having the conversation about when someone goes to like your website or you know reading about you, your qualifications and your credentials should be the first thing that people know about you, not what you look like. Mm. And so, but we also had a little bit of the opposite in as well I'm saying that but seeing a face like mine taking mm-hmm. the uh whether or not you believe I'm attractive or not out of it somebody seeing me in a academic space could give them the motivation to either want to do something you know in that academic space so it's it's really one of those debates where it's like depending on the space mm, you got your positives you got your negatives and I kind of see you know where both sides are coming from And yeah, it's one of those things like on teacher review sites, um, I know specifically like uh, Rate My Professor, Um, they have the the hot chili peppers for professors that you think are, you know, hot or attractive and, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that, where you can like score professors just based on the nature of their attractiveness. And it's like, okay, are we here to talk about attraction or are we here to talk about learning? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So like, I'm confused here. 
Uh, even when you think about that, so are you, if you're rating a professor, uh, you have that mm-hmm. hot chili pepper or whatever the case may be, are you, are, did you learn anything throughout that entire semester? Like, are, right. are, what, what kind, were you fantasizing having sex with your teacher through, during that entire semester? Mm-hmm. Or did you actually take heed of what they were teaching you that you can mm-hmm. apply that to other situations or to your next classes that you have in your major, whatever the case may be like? Yeah. What does that hey. have to do with anything? The Holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression. When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss includes kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. to your next classes that you have in your major, whatever the case may be like. Yeah. What does that and have to do with anything? Exactly. And I know like for me, like I tend to find like a little bit of both kind of energies. A lot of times, well, at least for our, I remember sometimes back in college, like you would take a certain class because of a certain professor that, you know, like, cause you know, we all got crushes and, you know, things like that. But at the end of the day, like it was always still about the class and about the learning experience, because trust me, I don't care how attractive, a, you know, a teacher is. I'm not about to spend a whole semester doing work when I could be doing something else just because I think you look good. I can catch you in passing and, you know, turn my little head and do all that kind of stuff without. Like, look, like if you, if you really uh, want to, if you really want to see the professor, you find out which one your friend has that professors and you make sure that they go to office hours so you can go to office hours exactly with oh yeah go to office hours it doesn't even matter if you're not in that department just find an excuse to go and talk to them for real you know like for real like come on these they don't know <laughs> like, how to yeah, college anymore right. they don't know how to college anymore they don't know now, they this don't does know. not mean go out here have sex with your college professor that's not what that no. means you are no. looking at the at visual, the visual. huh at least not until after you graduate. Facts, facts. Because uh, <laughs> then, because then, then it's kind of like, okay, yeah. If after you graduated, you're no longer, you know, part of the institution. It's like, yeah. If we still feeling the vibe, it could be on. It could be on and popping. Look, shit is messy <laughs> after graduation. Oh my god. <laughs> but that's why I have always been a stickler for for college age. You know, because uh, I've been asked the question a lot of times what do, you know, my feelings surrounding, um, you know, professors and, you know, students. And the thing is the lines are so blurry because there is n- most times in a college policy, there are no outright laws against professors, mm-hmm. student relationships, because you're dealing with people who are technically the legal consenting age. Mm-hmm. So there is no legalistic language in a lot of uh, stu- in a lot of uh, faculty and student handbooks about inappropriate relations with students. However, it will highlight that because professors, no matter the age, no matter the student's age, if you are an instructor, 
you are innately in a position of power mm. over a student. And so really from a professor in, you have to ask, oh, is my fling with this student or my, you know, whatever it is you're having with the student, is this really a cost to my professional reputation? Mm-hmm. And I've always been of the attitude, if you and this student or you and this professor have these desires or this uh, burning sensation for each other or whatever it is, and especially for the ones that fall in love for uh, apparently. My <laughs> thing is like, then why can't it wait till after you graduate? Like, I don't get, I don't get the prop. Right. So it just show it just goes to show like most of the time it is just about that that sexual you know that sexual encounter or experience or whatever it is that you want to call it because if it is real love if you develop that nobody is nobody is having no hangups about that I really mm-hmm. don't but my thing is like okay well then it can wait a few years look and that's I think that's why a lot of the grad student. Um, professor things uh, are a little uh, are a lot messy because it's like if you're in a completely different uh, department then it is what it is they don't they will never have a ability to grade any of your assignments but at the same time if you are within the same department and you have been working with this person um, like on your research most definitely if you're like a grad student that's also an employee of the institution so now you fall under both categories then it's just like yeah, then that can be, so and I think like when you, and then when you've entered into that state, it's kind of like you're more of a kind of mature adult because usually like you're in like your twenties and your thirties and you know things like that. And you know, and, you know this. Do you know what the really um, interesting thing is? Is that I really don't hear too many stories about grad student professor relationships mm-hmm. because I think that at that point you're seen as a little bit more like colleagues in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, and even depending on the institution that you're at, you know, coming from the South, we have that, you know, more respectability thing. So when you're yeah. even when you're in a graduate program, you still call your professors by like doctor so and so by their last name. When I first got into my program in Chicago, because you know, the North is a little bit more, pro- obviously a little bit more progressive. And because I was at a creative arts institution, the professors actually honestly wanted us to call them by their first names. Mm. We were on a very first name basis uh, with our with our uh, professors, which I thought was odd, you know, coming from the South, moving, you know, to Chicago. But um, so, yeah, that was something I had to actually get accustomed to doing because, you know, like we just call professors, you know, professor this or doctor this because mm-hmm. like that's just innate you know to do and so yeah to be on first name basis with a with a professor at first it kind of felt like a like a little like gross <laughs> like like uh, like uh this makes me cringe but right. it it was fine <laughs> i get that um child this that, that that reminded me of like days at mercer because it's like um after a while, because, um, you know, with the professors and whatnot, um, you definitely had to call them professor, doctor, or miss, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, whatever their qualifications were. But when it came to the staff side of things, a lot of them mm-hmm. were more open towards, you know, just being uh, referred to as their first names. And it, it made yeah. that it made that space so much easier for 
like students like me to communicate with them because it mm -hmm. felt so much more normal to talk to them because I could just right. be like, hey, um, Ricky or um, Christian or whoever, Nate, whoever mm -hmm. was in, because that's that's literally three people who I worked with. Uh, I could just call them by their first name. So it, it seemed a lot more personal, but in the spaces of like, my professors yeah I, I feel yeah it's just so it's I can't do it no. to this but now but you know, something that something that I do have a profound respect for now because I'm going through it with you know doing get you know doing my own doctoral program I understand now why professors have that um that kind of rigidness when they mm -hmm. are a doctor and they're referred to as something else and it's like no I am doctor so and so and it's kind of like you know sometimes the way they'll come at you it's like oh my god like why are you getting an attitude for like huh? mm -hmm. you know but after like coming through and going through and knowing what people go through to get their doctor it's like no I earned this like you better put some respect on this Look, <laughs> I, 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 I get style. that like I I I just don't, I have a problem when people do it in a negative way, but I definitely right. understand. Like for right. me, um, I, <laughs> I'm like, the doctor is silent. Uh, you can call me Bernie, mm -hmm. you can call me uh, Mr. Scott, you can call me this, but at the end of the day, as long as you know that the doctor is still there the doctor went through this shit right. yeah. uh, to get this degree, <laughs> yep. as long as you know that's there, we good. Exactly, um, we good. Oh, I'm here to build a uh, relationship and rapport with you, but just know that's still there. <laughs> it's there. Um, yeah, like, don't uh, I think, well, I say this would be a good way to segue into yeah. um, <laughs> the concept of not being claimed in public. Um, this oh. is something, I don't know if the episode is going to come out before this discussion or after this oh. episode, um, but with uh, another podcast guest, Sharita, we were talking about the um, not being claimed in public, which oh. we also discussed in our um, intake meeting oh. for this episode. Uh, I, I see, I've I've experienced that where uh, a sexual mm -hmm. partner uh, who was literally just a sexual partner did not want to claim mm -hmm. me in public. And I'm like, fam, we're not together. Um, that's fine. You didn't have to say mm -hmm. this, but uh, I know there's other people who've experienced the same thing. Uh, have mm -hmm. you ever experienced anything like that? Uh, I, I can't recall an instance where like somebody hasn't claimed me in public, but I can understand like from because it, it's kind of like the kind of like that both spectrum kind of thing where it's kind of like yeah you don't understand from your end like why do you have to make like introducing me like awkward so it's kind of like even if you're not sure about what we are if we're just like hooking up or we're friends or you know we're trying to figure out what we are or whatever just call me by my name like say this is so and so like it really does not have to be that hard but on the other end I can see like from another person if that person is having some kind of emotional confliction about mm -hmm. what you are to them then it can make then it can make it so like oh yeah I like this I don't know like I don't know what to say but then I kind of go back to the other thing like I keep bouncing back and forth because I'm like Usually when you're out in public, unless you just run into somebody just by surprise that you don't know, a lot of times, like if you're having a gathering or you know you're going to be meeting up with people, of course, you're going to introduce people. So it's like, why did you not think of this? And so now it's this whole awkward moment for no reason at all. Like, right. like I, I don't know how I would feel in that situation where I because 
first and foremost, I, I would rather not be invited to any event where you cannot introduce me to people. Most definitely, if I don't right. have anybody there, now I'm just over here looking like the awkward cow, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. somebody gonna milk me or not? Like, what, what right. are we doing here? Um, but like, if 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 you bring me around your family, your friends, your community, or what have you. I expect that you're going to at least say, hey, do a broad um, statement. Hey, this is Vernon. Um, this is one of my friends. We met um, on Facebook or some shit like that. Thought he can, you know, int- uh, meet all y'all, where, whatever the situation mm-hmm. is. But if if you're not going to acknowledge the fact that I'm here, then why, why ask me to come? Exactly. Exactly. Because it's kind of like one of those things like, hello, you do know I'm saying, like I'm sitting or I'm standing right here, right? Like, so, and it's, uh, and like you say, it's really, it, it becomes the nature of making a situation really harder and more awkward than it really needs to be. If you are, and, and then I think it's also too, because you have to also assess about where like people are in your life, mm-hmm. you know, so to somebody who like, Hey, maybe you were just having some hookups with, like, they may not mind introducing you to like a friend or you know something like that I don't know too many people like that but I'm sure that you know it does exist so I think you know by the time you're getting to meeting like the friends or meeting the family it's because something is a little bit deeper and then something deeper doesn't necessarily mean something romantic it could Mm -hmm. just be you know just like friendship like oh you know hey I'm having a family barbecue or you know like we're having family dinner like we'd love for you to like come you know like introduce to my family or my friends so by that time, it's like, yeah, we kind of know what we are to each other. And mm-hmm. so, like I said, it's really just making something very awkward and almost borderline disrespectful in a way, mm-hmm. you know, to not, intru- you know, um, not even necessarily say not introduce, but, you know, just create this very awkward tension between you and the, you know, these this person's people that you're trying to get to you know, that you're being introduced to or trying to get to know, because then now you're uncomfortable with how to operate and how to filter maybe certain questions about, because you know how family and friends are, they going to want to know, well, how y'all know each other? You know, mm-hmm. when did y'all meet? Or, you know, all that type of stuff. So now you're uncomfortable because of how you were introduced. Right. And that's the other thing. Most definitely, if you haven't had enough conversations with somebody to know exactly what, where, where you are in their life in terms of that, like, are you uh, a person who your your family knows about your history, your dating history, your sexuality, all this other stuff, and you're introducing me to them? Do I need to have a backstory here? Like, <laughs> what what if if I'm asked a certain question, like how we met each other? What is the expectation of um, my response? Because I will go into a situation ready to be honest, uh, and. I don't know if that's what you want. Like, I would love for us to get to a point where we can literally just like, hey, family, this is Vernon. We fucking, we ain't together, but I just wanted to, you know, <laughs> bring them to grab some food because the food's going to be busting today. I know we got, got on this fucking grill for, uh, you know, Uncle whoever, Uncle Leonard. And look, we about to eat. We about to enjoy. About to have, have a good time. And and honestly, the only situation I can think of, um, I think it happened like maybe like sometime last year or so, where I was getting like to know this friend. I had met him, you know, at like, you know, a, a real like nice bar here in Atlanta. And I didn't know like 
um like there would be like other people that would i don't think that it was originally like other people would be joining us i think we just all happened to be at this place at the same time mm -hmm. and because we had only talked online and this was our first time meeting of course some of his people are kind of curious about me they wanted to you know like know like oh is this a friend or you know you guys out on a date or you know whatever and it's almost kind of like not the fact that he was silent about it because like he, he you know he was a lot like me like whatever is going on like that's private but it did I, I did feel like awkward like in this moment where it's like I'm trying to get to know you but then now we have other people that are around people that mm -hmm. I don't know but you know of course know and then we're just even trying to just meet up for the first time to you know like see hey are we you know, friend, you know, getting to like a, even just like a friendship status is not even anything romantic, but it is, it is awkward when you don't know. So you don't even know how to filter other people's questions. Mm. Oh, that just sounds like that was just a completely overwhelming situation for both y'all. Cause, <laughs> oh, I just like look. And you know, <laughs> and you know, when you get in certain social circles, you know, people going to probe, you know, they're going to be like, oh, so like, oh, y'all dating or, you know, like, and it's kind of like, even if, even if your friends and wanted to get to that dating status, it's like, well, now your people then just put that out there. So it's like, well, damn, like, it's like, I'm on the spot now. <laughs> right. Look, I don't know. I do not I don't know. know. I don't know. <laughs> this is our first time hanging out and your ass decided to come along. Who invited you? Who the Who fuck invited you? And now you look like, uh, is this how you are? Oh my God. See, and, that's, and that's why I have this thing about like, even when you're trying to like mix company, it's like even for like I believe you'd have different circles of friends for different type of reasons you have your friends that you turn up with mm -hmm. friends that you know you stay you know and play game night with or whatever and it's great if you have you know versatile friends who can do all of those things but it's like you're not gonna hurt my feelings if there is something going on that you don't really believe I would like and you're just inviting me to be nice I don't need you I don't like I appreciate you being nice but I know myself at the end of the day, there's just certain things I just am not going to do. Yeah. I'm not an adventurous person. So if y'all trying to go skydiving or something like that, I will watch you safely from the ground. But trust me, I'm not going to be participating. So even if you didn't want to invite me, that's fine. I can't wait to hear all about your skydive adventures when we're safely on the ground, uh, sipping tea or something or doing something, talking. <laughs> <laughs> you sure you don't want to go skydiving? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I need to be firmly on the ground. <laughs> I feel you there. I feel you there. So, um, one of the things that we discussed was all about embracing body positivity, which is not yeah. often happening around okay. us. And um, it, I, when it comes to embracing body positivity, I'm just like, let that be something for everybody not just mm -hmm. like um mm -hmm. like, you know when Adele lost weight and whatnot and mm -hmm. um everybody's like oh you're you're even more beautiful now than you were then let's not just compare the now no. and then. let's just say you always been beautiful regardless like right. you're looking gorgeous I love it and, and the thing is about excuse me about body positivity is that what happens with the person who is trying to be more bodily conscious more body positive you receive so many mixed messages when mm -hmm. you are online because it's kind of like if you feel like you are a bigger person and hey you may have lost a few pounds 
regardless of what that region is, it could be for yourself, it could be for your health or whatever, then you'll have people in your DMs and in your comments about, oh yeah, like you say, oh, you're looking good, you know, this, this and that. But then you'll have the other side of people that would be like, well, why you decided to do that? Like you lost, like, like you mm-hmm. look fine just the way you are. So it really becomes this battle when you're, especially when you're posting like pictures online, you know, you're maybe trying to do it for self-love or, you know, to show yourself journey, but you get so many conflicting messages from the people that wanted you to stay just the way you are. Mm-hmm. And then people who love this, you know, what they feel is new look from you. And so really it's kind of like body positivity becomes about what's trending or what's popular at the time, mm-hmm. at the time, you know, instead of being, instead of it being intrinsic in saying that this is, I did this for me, regardless if I, you know, lost 20 pounds or gained 20 pounds for some reason, like this is what I did for me, not for, you know, for likes, mm. you know. I don't think a lot of people even think about, like, even go that far to think about it. Like, um, just the same, the the simple concept that this is a decision I made. Mm -hmm. I'm posting the picture because I felt good in this moment. And I just wanted Mm -hmm. to share my good feelings with everybody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm glad that you think I look beautiful. I'm glad that you enjoy this, I guess, new me, but regardless this is this is a post representing who i am um, mm. i'm not like i really hate that we live in a culture where we constantly try to make people to be role models um, mm. and make them be the spokesperson or the uh, image and identity that of what other people need to be or aspire to be exactly. rather than just encourage people just to be them exactly you know, and it's such a, it's such a shame because then, like I say, body positivity now becomes, it's more of like a, a social message rather than something that is just, uh, that is just shared or, you know, something that is just, oh, like, oh my God, I love the way uh, that person, you know, like is look, you know, is looking like they're really embracing, you know, who it is that they, who it is that they are. And for a lot of people who struggle, you know, with body image, and I think is that comes from so many of us, you know, regardless of where it stems from, it makes you, when you're trying to be positive, it makes you go back into that shell. Mm-hmm. When you feel, you know, kind of down in the dumps, then now you look to something for validation, because it's like, oh, you know, if I am, you know, a little bit more heavy set. And, you know, I know that there are certain communities that do not love me for being heavy set. Then I can just go to a community that does love, you know, heavy, mm-hmm. you know, does love heavy set. And again, I think it's always important to, you know, find, you know, find your tribe, find your communities, but do not conflate finding people who accept this about you to be like, that's what you intrinsically want for yourself, though. Mm. You know, it's kind of like if you want, if you feel good around this particular weight or this particular size or what have you, let that be because that is intrinsically how you feel, you know, how you feel. And it's such a shame for, I will say, uh, self-identifying women who are, um, oh, or even women in general, of course, we know that there's a big stigma about, you know, the nature of women and body image, but even as, you know, certain medical aspects come up, for instance, for women who may go through um, IVF treatment, or, you know, who are trying to, you know, or something is going on hormon- uh, hormonally, 
you know, it is to say that, yeah, this, that those, those factors could be the reason why, oh, this, this woman has maybe gained, you know, gained some weight, or, you know, Mm -hmm. they're looking a little bit rounder in the face, or, you know, what have you. And then, you know, our things with our body, they change from season to season, from year to year, from day to day. (laughs) So it's like, you know, so we just need to stop whatever somebody is putting out there, let it be received in a kind of positive light that it was meant to, and just leave and just leave it at that. It's not the fact that that's your journey. You're not walking in that person's shoes. You're not in that person's life. Mm-hmm. If you like what it is that they're posting or they're discussing, then let that be that. But you, it's just oh, it just it bothers my soul about how you just feel the need to comment and comment on things that are really not your concern or really any of your business. Ain't it like, I, I'm starting to um, get even more and more upset about uh, the comment of, uh, cause I've, I've already been like annoyed by it, but even mm-hmm. when I see it a little bit more often these days, when you have someone who's big, who's um, just embracing themselves, um, being happy and just feeling fulfilled mm-hmm. in a moment mm-hmm. and just showing their body that comment of, you're so brave. So I'm brave because I'm stepping out um, knowing mm-hmm. that I'm going to get hate. That's that's the thing that needs to be brave. Or can I just be a person who's like happy? Why mm-hmm. does it have to be always about, oh, you're, you're setting a milestone for somebody. Let me just be out here happy with my titties flying and the belly rolls rolling because I'm happy and feel beautiful in this moment. There's nothing brave about that. I'm not running into a building to save some kids. I'm not Mm -hmm. over here um, protecting the Capitol. I'm not doing any of this shit. I'm not uh, out here teaching young kids, um, you know, building them up because teachers are brave they are brave (laughs) to have to deal with the parents that they have to deal with they are very brave people and you're trying to uh, ascribe that characteristic on me just because I chose to wake up feel happy about my body and step out in my truth Mm -hmm. it it always seems it always feels like a slight um yeah like if you don't do that you're weak exactly and and just the fact that you feel like you know every time you post something or you know um you know or showing something you know it's like it doesn't need to open itself up to comment Mm -hmm. you know and of course you know there's the other side to that it's kind of like well if you don't want things commented on why post it you know but it is but it is to say like if you don't have anything constructive to say it's like why why are you talking why are you talking right why are you talking like even with that i get that some people do it because they want to be supportive just be supportive mm. and just say, I love you. <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's it. M- make sure people feel love. I support you or whatever the case, however you want to phrase it, support that way. You you can you can keep your comments. You can keep everything else. You can just like, oh, you look beautiful if that's what you want to say. Um, and just leave it alone. And, and the thing is, is that, and especially as we, and I think the thing is, is that, of course, we do not talk to, um, you know, 
um, self-identifying boys as much about body positivity that, mm. you know, we should, because, and I think the reason why the, the topic of conversation is always framed in the nature of women is because we know that women, you know, go through, you know, go through obviously a lot when it comes to body, body image, becoming, you know, becoming a woman, being seen as a woman and being sexualized at very young ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but it's kind of to say like, well, if we were talking to our boys and our men about having respect for their bodies as well, as mm. to not put the narrative that, because, uh, you know, it's the, it's the narrative, the fact that, you know, it's classic, you know, double stereotype and standards about the fact that, you know, if a woman is out here, you know, sleeping around or, you know, what anything, she's going to be called everything but a child of God. But mm. it's, you know, but if men doing it, oh, it's just expected and it's applauded. Like, no, like, let's stop those, like, let's stop those narratives and let's stop, you know, teaching boys that at a very young age. It's like, no, you need to have, you know, just as much respect for your, you know, respect for yourself as well. And when we talk about respect, we're not talking about, oh, just because, oh, you know, just becoming a hermit or, you know, anything like that. It is to, you know, safely teach a, teach about positive body, positive body image. And the more that I think that we do that from both sides, the more kind of um, healing that can actually happen and the more respect for each other that can actually happen because as much as we talk about women boys are very sexualized from a mm. very young age our boys are you know sexually touched they are exploited you know and all of those kind of things and that does and it does shape the way that you see um you know the body and mm. your, your perceptions about the body growing up and how you associate that with intimacy you know and those kind of things so amen that's that's a word right there. That is a whole word. Um, well, before we get to the never have I ever, um, there was also something else that we spoke of is um, masculine and feminine energy. Uh, and just how, because, you know, this is mostly mm. after that no films portion of that uh, conversation. But what 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 words do you have to provide in terms of masculine and feminine energy? Um, I just uh I- you know, really believe that masculine and feminine energy is just, is just about that. It's about an energy. It's about an energy that you exude. And that doesn't necessarily always have to be in a physical sense. Hmm. You can have a very, uh, if you are a self-identifying man, you can very much have a um, association, obviously, with feminine energy. If you are a good listener, if you are empathetic, if you are an empathetic individual, you know, all of those, if you are a nurturer, that's something that, you know, kind of is a plague on the nature of uh, Black men in education. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason, you know, one of the reasons why Black men are sometimes pigeonholed in education, especially in secondary education, is that we're not seen as nurturers. And and especially, you know, and that's sometimes what makes it what makes it hard. And I've had conversations with other black male educators, uh, friends about the fact that they have to watch how they, you know, present themselves or how they go about things. Because it, when you're dealing with children, you're already one, a black man. And two, the physical, your physical embodiment can, you know, be perceived as being as threatened. Mm-hmm. And what's so great about these kind of conversations is that we're here to let, you know, administrators, school leaders, and things like that know that we're essential. 
mm. to the upbringing of children. Men are essential to being, you know, to being nurturers. And I kind of agree with us, you know, and not kind of, I do agree with uh, conversations that are being had about the fact we also need to stop applauding men or being in awe of men of taking care of their responsibilities of doing what they're supposed to do, going to their children's uh, teacher conference, showing up for their child. It's kind of like, we just have this attitude when men do it. It's like, oh my God, you know, like, oh, you showed up, you did this. You're supposed to do that. It's your child. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need to be being, uh, you know, of course, you know, parents, all parents need recognition for things that they do, but you don't need to be like saying like, oh my God, it's something, you know, alien mm. or you know like something that should just be overly celebrated and done it's your child you need to show up but sorry back to the back well, to the, i um, agree the i agree with that one but, uh, but yeah but definitely the the nature of energy is really just about how you present yourself in that moment you can have moments where yeah you need to be aggression is usually associated with masculine energy there are going to be moments men women however you identify there are going to be moments where you're going to need to take control where you're going to need to be a little bit more assertive and aggressive and uh, honestly it's why I hear a lot of times reasons why women have particular problems in the workspace, especially if they work in a male dominated field. It's to say like they, um, a lot of times women feel that, oh, if I feel the need to be assertive and to kind of take control, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, you know, looked at as, you know, like I say, everything but a child of God. But if I don't speak up, then I'm looking weak or I'm looking, you know, or meek or weak or however you want to associate it. So it's kind of like when you're in given spaces, the trick becomes about how do you make yourself be seen and be heard and respected at the same time, you know? So I just really think the nature of masculine and feminine energy always boils down to how you act, how you innately feel in the moment. And that mm -hmm. moment is just like, it's just that it's a moment. It ebbs and it flows. And it's not to say, I think we all have aspects of masculine and feminine energy. So it's not to say that, oh, you're, you self-identify as a man, so you just need to have man, you know, masculine energy. Like, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> nope, you need to have both. Um, like, that's that's what I love about the uh, concept of the divine feminine and the divine masculine oh. is because it's it's telling you or stating that it is innate in every single individual that you have mm -hmm. either side. Like, well, you have both sides. You can mm -hmm. um, express yourself in a feminine way, care and um, love, nurture and grow. You can uh, carry yourself in a masculine way, be logical, assertive, uh, aggressive, or mm -hmm. whatever the case may be on that spectrum. It's like you, we all have those capabilities. It's just tapping into that whenever you need to tap into it. Other than mm -hmm. that, also knowing a way to balance that all. That's the, the mm -hmm. greatest thing about um, the understanding the divine masculine uh, feminine is understanding the balance that comes with both both sides of that um, exactly. and uh, a lot of people don't take that time to even figure out how they can uh, express their masculine express their feminine like like you said men should not be getting applauded for doing the the what they're supposed to do as parents and I think a lot of that happens because of the narrative that has been constructed of men mm -hmm. not being uh, available to their like I know so many people who have their fathers in their lives that I just don't understand why this has ever been a, a issue I get that um 
there's been uh, most definitely, you know, within the Black community, uh, mass incarceration has made a huge impact there. You do have um, not this part is not isolated towards, you know, the Black community, but you have a lot of uh, father figures or fathers who have been stepping out on their families and have whole other families and whatnot. Some of them who mm -hmm. are involved in both sides of those families very actively. And then you have those who are like deadbeats. But that's not to negate the fact that there is still an overwhelming majority of fathers yeah. in their child's lives, an uh, overwhelming yeah. uh, majority of mothers in in involved in their um, child's lives. And, and I think the reason for that is that we automatically associate if a father is not in the home, then they must be, you know, they must be absent or, you know, you know, something along those lines. And a lot of times it is to say like, I know for like growing up, a good majority of, you know, people that I surrounded myself with, like, no, we didn't have fathers in the home. We knew our fathers, of course. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people have very different, you know, kinds of relationships, but, you know, with their fathers. But it is not to say just because uh, a parent, you know, a parent, regardless if it's father or mother, just because they may not be in the home mm -hmm. does not mean they are not a part of that child's life. Right. And that's because, you know, you can look at the statistics and all of that about single parents. And, um, and when I say parents, that's inclusive of male, uh, uh, man, female, trans, um, mm -hmm. or whatever their gender identity is. But a parent, regardless of the, well, within, within the spectrum of, of it all, when you look at the statistics and you see that there's like a large number of single parents, you have to, re you have to realize that single does not mean that they are not in the, in a couple. That just means when you do your taxes, file your taxes, you yeah. must play single. Yeah, that's all those statistics mean. That does not mean both parents are not involved in the child's life, and that's a concept that a lot of people either didn't know, didn't mm -hmm. want to dive into, or yeah. it's just it, it just helps with the misinformation that is passed um, when it comes to um, like the family structure and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Whew, Jesus fix it yeah. all. Um, I would say this would be a great <laughs> transition into Never Have I Ever. So, um, Never Have I Ever watched a porn video together with a lover. I have. Ooh, how was that? It was, it was good. It was, a, it was a, you know, turn on erotic, of course. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it, it was nice. Uh, I, I will say I have to, um, I've, um, I, I do have this one fantasy. I haven't done it yet is to play out the porn while it's happening, um, um to oh, be engaged in it that way where, you know, we're yeah. just like, you know, I'm feeling this. Let's do what they're doing on this screen. Let's, let's okay. react everything that's going Re on. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that's one of my little fantasies there, but um, I've been in casual uh, encounters before where, you know, some people enjoy um, watching porn while they're mm -hmm. in the act. Um, and if you have this, okay, anybody who has not thought about this, this, I guess this will be a nice tip for you. Uh, if you have a TV that has, you know, Bluetooth uh, uh, or uh, you can like screencast on your television you can put your porn on your tv just if you have a partner or you yourself enjoy watching porn that way just mm -hmm. do that that's an easy way you don't have to worry yeah. about purchasing anything also bookmark your favorite twitter porn um because 
so many of us have Twitter porn. I know if you were yeah. saying, "Oh, I don't have a favorite uh, porn on Twitter," you know that you know that porn exists on Twitter. Go ahead, save it, save it. <laughs> and if you don't, you might as well just follow. This is one of those times where you should just follow the crowd. Like follow the crowd, yeah. look, find follow something crowd. new. Find something new on that Twitter find thread, something. child. Find something. <laughs> <laughs> that Twitter poor child. I love it. Ooh, it, gives, it gives you so much life. It does. Oh, that's that's actually a part of the conversation for our next episode in Sets Work. So ooh, plug, plug moment. <laughs> <laughs> would you like uh would you rather question or a sets question? Oh, that's for anything. It really doesn't matter. I was gonna give you the opportunity to choose. Uh okay. Um we can uh, do a would you, you would, would you rather. Okay, because I definitely was going to pull out the sex question if you say. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So we could do either. No. It, How about we do, do both? Would you rather? No, we could do both. Shut yeah, we could up. All right, all right. So would you rather go to work or school completely? Oh, wait, we already did that one. We did that one in your last episode. Why is this not marked off? I'm slacking. Would you rather be a terrible kisser or be awful at oral sex? Ooh, I would say be awful at oral sex because I like kissing. Kissing for me, I love to kiss. Mm-hmm. So that's one of like the most like intimate things that can happen. And because of the fact like I do um, identify more as a side guy. So I don't need the nature of, you know, like penetration or, you know, other sexual acts to be sexually satisfied. Kissing and, you know, like that intimacy, like I would need to, yeah, I, I would sacrifice like being bad at or because I'm like, it's like there are just other things I can, like there are other things I can do. Um, but kissing, I, I, I need to, I need a good kiss. See, so- <clears throat> I would say for me, it depends on where I'm at um, in life, because if it was past burning, it probably would have been be bad at kissing um, Mm -hmm. because I was a more oral person um, back then. And uh, Mm -hmm. I used to um, have a thing about um, getting to a point. I used to test myself during sex and stuff like that to get a certain Mm -hmm. response out of people. uh, Mm -hmm. And I I always got it. And that was a, a sense of pride for me. Uh, and now mm-hmm. that I'm a lot less of an oral person, I will have to say I'll be okay with letting that go. Because uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and sometimes depending mm-hmm. on what you're dealing with, like it could be a task. <laughs> right, that too. Because I'm like uh, I I'm more like kissing. I'm not. I don't kiss too much, but. There is a good passion in kissing uh, that I do enjoy uh, a lot more than oral. But oh. with with oral, oh, this is tough because I'm thinking because vaginal play is fun, and um, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> do I want to lose that just to kiss somebody? <laughs> um, mm. you see, I'm thinking of it in the opposite aspect of. I, the reason why I would want to kiss is because in those moments where I may not feel like, you know, having, you know, for intercourse or, you know, like, you know, or something, you know, like that, where oral is usually a part of that. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, yeah, some nice, you know, sweet kisses, like if I'm tired or, you know, things like that, like that would be enough. Like that would be enough for me in certain, in, you know, certain circumstances. 
Mm. I want to I want to just be like, can I just let the jury decide? But I, <laughs> I, I I'm going mm, I'm going to have to say I'd rather be a terrible kisser. I I'd rather be a terrible kisser. Uh, now, if it was like strictly dickly situations, then I will I would rather just be a kisser. Let me be the best kisser out here because mm. ain't no way I'm sucking dick every fucking day. Uh, ain't no way I cannot. No, I cannot. I can't. I, I don't got the time for no. that. Fuck that. Um, but outside of that, yeah. It, it, but it that's why. Right. But this is another reason, though, to, for y'all to get involved with your Twitter porn because they do have your yours that be, they be having three, six, and the number goes up, like, daily. Like, I don't be knowing how they be sucking so much dick. I'm just like, um, do your jaws not hurt? Like, do, do, do you, like, have a surgery or something? Do you have a button on the side of your face that you press that just says, okay, my jaw no longer uh, functions? Like, I can't. Mm-mm. But more power to y'all who could do that. Yeah, that's what I say. More, you, you know, the thing is, the things that I cannot do, I, you know, I praise other people who can because it's like somebody that got to do it. So mm-hmm. if you if you in that, if you in that number, more power to you. Look, if you need somebody to be in your content, it, it will definitely be my partner because it's not I. No, <laughs> not I. <laughs> so here's the sex question. Okay. Do tattoos, piercings, or other body modifications turn you on? Why or why not? Uh, it's a bit of both. It can be a turn on and a turn off. Mm-hmm. Um, just because... I, you know, if you have like a tat, you know, if you have like a, you know, a tattoo here, tattoo there, whatever, if you have a piercing here, piercing there, whatever, um, I, I personally am turned off by people who have like so many piercings that you don't know what they're, they, what they look like. And same with, uh, body tattoos. Like I can't, I can't visualize, you know, that person like being just their whole body is just Mm. covered and tattoos because my immediate instinct just like not necessarily even body I'm intimate with but my immediate thing is like just picturing if we were together long haul or a long term or you know something like that no matter how many cosmetic surgeries you may be able to have the body as it ages naturally wrinkles. So while you're young, you know, while you're youthful looking and, you know, you got the body and, you know, the plastic glistening, you know, every time you go to work out, yeah, all that is fine. When you get to a certain age and your body starts to naturally wrinkle, all that body tattoos that you have on you is going to look so unappealing to me. Mm. Well, look, what's your eyes about I can't, and it's just something I can't, I can't, I couldn't deal with. Hmm. And even, and even for, you know, because they have a lot of, you know, older people who, you know, they stay, you know, pumped up, work out, do in great shape and all this, but it's just the nature of when you naturally age, your skin is going to naturally wrinkle. Mm-hmm. So that means that the way that those tattoos look on your body is not, it's not, it's just, it's not for me. <laughs> i get that i would say for me um tattoos are all right um i'm kind of on your end where uh excessive tattoos whatever that may look like for myself um because even i don't have a, a definite number of how many tattoos mm-hmm. that would be for me um <clears throat> it might be a turn off um 
but then again if it's a very artistic tattoo i might be like oh my god that looks like um uh, i saw a um a tattoo of someone's i think it was their um leg last night uh it was oh. an anime tattoo of the character Hitsuka. i think that's how you pronounce it i forgot I, it's been a while since i've seen hunter x hunter mm-hmm. but i was like oh my god that is fine that is sexy as fuck yeah. oh my god, i love it um but i will say <clears throat> piercings don't really turn me on even though metal kind of attracts me but it's, mm. it's the nine non-pierced metal like some necklace is like a um, body chain is sexy as fuck um glasses turn me on braces oh my god oh my god braces are so fucking sexy uh and i that that comes from like childhood stuff and uh I've get, always you, been like, look, get you somebody with some braces like look get you yes. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> i fucks with it um but yeah, that that turns me on for some weird reason. Okay. Uh, I I don't know why, but throughout my life, body chains and braces and glasses has always been sexy as fuck, and I, I love it. Um, so yeah, tattoos is up in the air on that one. Um, okay. so Tyrell is at that point now. Um, do you have any lasting words, tips, or tricks that you would like to share with the audience? Uh, no, just thanks everybody for tuning in as always. And like I say, you know, it's kind of like our walkaway message of everything we talked about today. It's just like, get yourself, get yourself somebody with some braces and get yourself some Twitter porn followers. Like, <laughs> Amen. You do those two things, you're going to be good. <laughs> Amen to that. You're going to be good. On that note, thank you all so much for tuning in to the Holiloquy podcast, uh, where we step out and speak about sexuality. Just in case no one else told you this today, you are beautiful. You are worthy of happiness and joy. You are enough and then some. You may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay. You are only required to walk in your own shoes. May each day you live lead you towards abundance. With that being said, love you all and see you next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.